Welcome to the Pod Control Podcast, brought to you by Red Hat. Pod Control is your source for containers, Kubernetes, OpenShift, and all things cloud native. Hello, Kubernetes community. Welcome back to the PodCTL Podcast. It is good to be back again this week. And this week, we're going to talk about a topic that you know, I think a lot of people have heard a lot about. Uh, we're going to talk about federation, but it's also a topic that, you know, to a certain extent, depending on what maybe your expectation is of that word federation, maybe you heard something from somebody, um, or just, you know, you kind of wish the world was a certain way, you have certain expectations about what the federation concept means. Um, and it's a concept that's been around Kubernetes for a long time. It's been a concept that you know, has gone through some iterations um, and so forth. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that in much more depth. So we decided to bring on an old friend of the show, uh, Paul Mori, Senior Principal Engineer at Red Hat. Paul, who uh, is Kubernetes community's favorite man with the mohawk. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thanks a lot, Brian. Um, Good to have you back. For anybody that's been around the Kubernetes community for a long time, um, especially, you know, in, in developing it, they know who you are. But give folks some sense of uh, of your background, especially just in the context of of all the different things you've worked on in Kubernetes over the last you know three four years or so. Uh, sure. So um, I, I guess the the place to start is is Kubernetes itself. Um, I had the really incredibly uh, good luck to to be involved in the the pre one days of Kubernetes uh, and and the the privilege of working with some of the the community elders in a very close capacity on things like secrets, config map, downward API, like entry point and command in the pod spec, storage classes, container security stuff like SE Linux, uh, and and later shifted most of my focus to things in the broader ecosystem as that began to to be a thing. Uh, as 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 there began to be an ecosystem that. Uh, formed around Kubernetes, I shifted a lot of my focus uh, to some of the the beginning extension efforts. For example, you may have heard of this thing called Kubernetes Service Catalog and the Open Service Broker API, which is really one of the the first proof of concepts of a Kubernetes extension that both leveraged the API infrastructure and ran within Kubernetes itself. And most recently, I've been been concentrating on uh, generally the area of multi-cluster, very specifically on a project that we call Kubernetes Federation, uh, and then also this new Knative project, which maybe we can talk about sometime. Yeah, absolutely. So what I wanted to do today, um, you know, and, and there's only so much that we can do with an audio medium. Uh, you know, sometimes we should do this as a, as a whiteboard as well. But I wanted to, to give folks a sense of what is multi-cluster and federation. So there's some, some really good sense for people of, okay, what, what's the difference between these things? I've heard these terms. And then I want to spend some time kind of talking about when this technology becomes GA and Kubernetes, like what are people going to have to do to make it possible? So why don't we start with the really basic stuff? So there's there's good definitions. There's the term multi-cluster that's, that's mentioned a lot. There's a SIG multi-cluster, and then there's federation. Can you give us a sense of like, are they the same thing? Are they different? Or you know, what what definition should people be using around those things? Yeah, that that is a very excellent question. So let's talk about what what multi cluster might mean. There's so very many different things it could mean, and 
perhaps we even need to rethink the name of the SIG. Uh, there, so there's two broad dimensions that I can think of. One is I want there to be multiple clusters. So I want and you know control the genesis of those things, how they come to be, and and operate multiple clusters. And another dimension uh, is I have workloads, applications, services, etc., that I would like to either spread across multiple clusters or that may make up a system that is larger than any particular cluster. For example, if you think about uh, globally available services like mail services or maps services, in order for those things to be available to people uh, conveniently in, in very different geos, they likely have to be deployed across multiple clusters in different geos. And when we talk about SIG multi-cluster in Kubernetes, it is very much that latter category of managing things that span multiple clusters rather than the genesis and operation of those clusters themselves. However, in the world that we live in today, more and more, those problems are intertwined. Uh, especially with the popularity of the custom resource definition extension me- mechanism for Kubernetes. And generally, those things are backed by controllers that themselves run within Kubernetes clusters. It becomes uh, a little blurry if you look at the details uh, of some of those things. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's let's say that we're talking about distributing applications and services. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's good. And I think Having that separation between, you know, most of this conversation is, like you said, um, how do I deal with getting applications out to multiple clusters or, you know, potentially some application that spans a cluster and less about the sort of management framework that would keep track of those things. Um, And and it's like you said, we're, we're seeing Kubernetes managing Kubernetes more and more. So that line kind of blurs. But if we keep it focused on the application side of, of being in multiple clusters or application across multiple clusters, probably a better starting point. Um, yeah, I, I would say in general that the problem space that people can begin to think of when we use these words is so large that a theme so far has definitely been fixing variables to keep uh, what you have to think about manageable. Right. And that was that was ultimately, I think, you know, when when sort of the first iteration of federation was was being debated there, I think there was kind of this there's two camps in the Kubernetes community. One was the sort of, you know, make one gigantic global thing. And then there was the, the camp that said, hey, that's kind of way too big a problem that I don't know that we'll ever solve. Let's let's focus more on the, you know, how do we deal with just multiple clusters at that small, more finite, detailed level, which is, I think, where Federation 2 is really going. Yeah, that's probably a good opportunity for us to I- explain a little bit of the history there. As you mentioned, like when we say Federation today, we're talking about a project called Federation V2 and the Kubernetes SIGs repo. And the V2 comes from the fact that there was a V1 and the V1 Federation was created at a time where this very powerful extension mechanism of custom resource definition didn't exist. So the problem space uh, in that, at that time, was very, very well bounded because there was a known universe of of things within Kubernetes, and that that is certainly not the case today. So that is really actually an essential part of like the Federation V two story in the sense that 
for something whose job it is to spread resources across multiple clusters to be usable, it really has to be compatible and usable with custom resource definitions. Okay. So it, it, a lot of pieces of Kubernetes kind of had to evolve in order for us to get to this point, you know, we'll, and we'll get into some of those details. So let's talk about some some basic concepts. So I've got two clusters and I, I want to, you know, start to apply some capabilities of, of multi-cluster or federation to them. What are the, what are the most basic things that I need? You know, like, so there's a, a concept or a term called cluster registry. Um, you know, what, what do I need in terms of like networking those things? You know, where does traffic come in? You know, how do I route it to multiple clusters? Um, you know, what, what are some of the things that maybe I have to do manually or some of the things that are going to maybe happen automatically because of this new technology that's coming along? Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's a great thing to examine. Let's, let's ground it in a very simple use case. Okay, perfect. Um, let's, let's even forget about workloads and say that we just want to put, put config maps into different clusters. Say that, say that we've got uh, one config map that we want to be present uh, across cluster one and two. In terms of how do we write down what those clusters even are, that is what the cluster registry's value proposition is. It is uh, very specifically exactly one custom resource definition called a cluster that allows you to capture in an API resource what the API endpoints of those clusters are. So literally, it is like the least common denominator of in the very wide problem space of things you may want to do that involve multiple clusters that you do have to write them down. Where federation relates to the cluster registry is that the federation uses the cluster registry to store that information. It doesn't, however, store, for example, credentials that may be used to access each of those clusters. Uh, that's something that may eventually be pushed into the cluster registry. In fact, there's there's a pull open for that, which uh, really is suffering from bandwidth starvation. But I think in the fullness of time, cluster registry will gain a resource that captures the the join of here's a cluster and these are the credentials that I want to use in one specific instance to talk to it. But uh, right now, Federation has that concept that relates a cluster in the cluster registry to auth credentials that Federation uses to talk to it. Uh, that's a resource called Federated Cluster. And for that thing to work in the sense that you the the deployment pattern is you've got a cluster that that hosts the cluster registry that you deploy federation into and that becomes the the cluster where your federation APIs exist for that cluster to be able to spread resources to clusters that you want to target you need basically what you would need to run the cube control against those target clusters so you need network connectivity right you need a service account and and auth credentials uh, so that you can reach it from the, the cluster hosting federation. And that's basically it at this point. Okay. Yeah. And the use case was good because it really, it highlights the idea that before you start thinking about spreading applications across clusters or somehow thinking about applications, like the first thing is almost, it's almost at a policy level, right? So thinking, like you said, you want to apply a config map in multiple locations. It's 
the idea of number one, you know, having a, a central resource that knows where these clusters are. And then the second thing is how do we try and make those those clusters have consistent capabilities for, like you said, uh, mapping something uh, from you know, when something comes into something that will eventually be an application. So it, it feels like the way to think about this is you, you have to kind of think about it in layers. It's, you know, how do I know where the clusters are sort of the first layer? The next one is how do I start to have consistency across those? And then other layers will come along that are you know, specific to the applications. Yeah, and, and layering and decomposition of the problem space has definitely been one of the themes uh, in the Federation V2 work so far. In our example that uh, that we've been talking about today, we've really just talked through the essentials of where are the clusters and how am I going to prove to them that I should be able to spread resources onto them? Right. The next layer is how do I capture in an API surface, how do I capture the, the declaration of what should be in those clusters? And this is a crucial uh, element to like the Federation V2 story because we just don't know what those resources, what, what types of resources users might, may want to handle. Um, we can make a good guess that like probably you're, you, you may be interested in spreading the Kubernetes API resources around, but you may, may be as interested or even more interested in spreading custom resources around. And where this concept is materialized in Federation V2 is that at a very essential level, the Federation V2 does does not have any knowledge of specific APIs intrinsically. So if you were to start with an empty Federation, by that I mean like uh, uh, you've deployed Federation into a cluster and literally done nothing else, you need to make Federation aware of the API types that you want it to handle. And so an, an essential part of the Federation API surface to configure Federation is a resource called Federated Type Config. And that is a resource that programs Federation to know about, one, what the, I'm using air quotes, and I don't think they're, they're coming across <laughs> in the audio, but imagine my air quotes, the normal API. So going back to our example, that's Config Map. And we need a distinct API surface that looks slightly different, but also very similar to that normal API surface to hold the Federation API. So what Federated Type Config's job is, is to program Federation with the knowledge that we want to spread config maps around, and we're going to hold the Federation API for config maps in a resource called Federated Config Map. So this is very essential because it's a declarative model for saying these are the things that you should handle. There's a CLI tool that generates the API surface for the federated config map by using the open API for config map to generate a new API resource that captures, in addition to what you can express in config map itself, also two new dimensions. One is where do you want that config map to go uh, in, in terms of which clusters do you want that to be present in? And the other is how do you want to alter a particular essential definition of a config map when it's placed into a particular cluster? Okay. And here's where I, I actually 
it might be convenient for example purposes to, to just pause the config map conversation and think about that very well-known use case of a replica set. So when we talk about differentiating a resource in particular clusters, imagine that I've got a replica set that I want to place in three clusters. Its essential definition is uh, has a replica count of five, but in cluster X, I want it to have 30 replicas. So there's when we talk about altering the definition of things in a particular place, it's that concept of I want the config map to have in its in its key called color, uh, I want it in a particular cluster to have blue instead of orange, or I want 10 replicas instead of five. Does that make sense, Brian, so far? Yep. So in our uh, example story, we run this kubefed to enable command, and it generates a new API surface for federated config maps. It generates a federated type config that programs federation to know about that new API surface. And what that captures is we've just described the same process that that you can use for your own custom resources to make federation aware of those. And the output of running that uh, operation is that you get a completely new API surface that captures, in addition to like essentially what is a particular resource, those new dimensions of where do we want it to go and do we want to change it a little bit in certain locations. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Let me look at a, a different sort of angle or maybe a different layer to this. There's a bunch of projects that are being built kind of on top of Kubernetes. So take something like Istio, which or anything that you think about from a routing perspective where you've now got multiple destinations where something could go. Are all of these new projects that are coming along, say something like Istio, are they now having to additionally, so they they build their project, but are they also having to say, okay, what happens if I'm in a federated set of clusters environment? Is that is that sort of an active thing that happens? Or is there something that just sort of by default, they're able to call and, and it gets quote unquote federated? That That's an excellent question. So when we've talked about this capability of making federation aware of an API that we want to, to spread across different clusters, that itself is a capability of federation and independent of uh, what we want to use it with. So you, you could, for example, run that uh, enabling operation on the virtual service resource in Istio and get a federated virtual service. Okay. You could run, and, and in fact, as I as I said, it's it's the same mechanism regardless of whether you're using an API that's built into Kubernetes or something based on a, a custom resource. So you you can run that operation also for replica set and get federated replica set. Same deal. Okay, cool. So that's that's good that it, it, it does become kind of a, a building block that stuff can can grab onto. You know, we've we've talked about a bunch of things. I want to. A lot of these have been going to be core Kubernetes things, and I and I highlight that because there's core stuff in Kubernetes. Then we're starting to see these other things begin to be part of Kubernetes, but, but you know they're their own projects. So Knative, you mentioned Istio is one. You know they they layer on Kubernetes, but they're not core Kubernetes. One of the things that people talk about a lot when they think about federation is you know something of kind of at a higher level that will make decisions for them. So somebody will, their use case will be something along the lines of, I have a developer, they want to deploy an application as a set of containers, 
And we want to deploy them smartly. So we want to deploy them like to the least cost cloud or the cloud that has Mm -hmm. the best latency or something like those are things that in order for that to happen, for that concept to happen, those aren't part of Federation. Somebody would have to write some additional intelligence somewhere to take advantage of that. Is that true? Or is there going to be something that has a mechanism that's like cost or latency or some metric that will be part of how you deploy an application? Brian, that's a really good question. And I want to just pause a moment on that phrase, building block that you just used. That's a phrase that I find myself using a lot. And it's it's pretty essential to how I view the value proposition of what Federation can provide to people in the Kubernetes ecosystem. I would say that so far, most of our effort has really been put into arriving at a, a design of like the essential capability of spreading resources across multiple clusters that is compatible with the existing extension mechanisms in Kubernetes and that will give folks that want those more interesting, higher level behaviors a foundation to build upon in the sense that I would not rule out there being more advanced behaviors that you get from Federation itself. And we've implemented a couple examples uh, that that I want to tell you about one of. At present, when I think about the potential that I that I would love to unlock in the Kubernetes community, I think about the concept of let's let's say a replica set. This is this really, really well-known use case in Kubernetes where I want to converge on a state where there's a certain number of replicas of a pod template that are running in a within a single cluster. As an example of of a kind of higher level behavior that we want to enable, and in fact, there is an implementation of this particular behavior in Federation V2, think about generalizing that across multiple clusters. So instead of the expression that I want to have a certain number of replicas running in a particular cluster, Say I want to maintain a number of replicas of a pod template across all the clusters where that is deployed. So for example, I federate replica sets and I spread my replica set to five clusters and I want to maintain a thousand running replicas across all those clusters. One of those clusters goes down. I want to up the replica counts in the remaining clusters to compensate. That's an example of a kind of higher level behavior that I want folks to be able to implement and start from like the three quarter mile instead of start at the beginning of the race. So we focus so far on enabling that and have have some additional features uh, prototyping around some more interesting capabilities. But when I think about like the, the vast potential and like intellectual power in the Kubernetes community, I want to enable others to build those things. And we may find that as folks do that, that there are behaviors that there's a common interest in across vastly different user bases. Uh, I would love 
for those eventually to have a future where they're either part of federation or part of projects that depend on federation and program the federation APIs. But presently, we're way more interested in making sure that the building blocks are good, if that makes sense. I think that's kind of an important thing and, and something we, we've sort of been talking about throughout this is that you know you, you have to, number one, you have to have the right scope of, of what federation and multi-cluster means, right? So you have the right scope, you understand what where people are going, you start to talk about the building blocks of got to have the basic things in place, I've got to know about other clusters, I've got to have authentication for those, those mechanisms are being built, there's going to be mechanisms to allow the the add-on projects to build on top of those, so an Istio or Knative or something. And then like you said, you guys are also putting the building blocks in that say, hey, for people that are going to have unique use cases or business specific use cases, you'll be able to then think about building that logic, that sort of business level logic, because you're building those those underlying you know framework building block things. But that's not a core thing that the Kubernetes community is thinking about right now, right? They're, they're saying, we're going to put the building blocks in place. We're going to give you the core elements. And then as you have business specific things, you'll be able to, to do those uh, above and beyond the, the project itself. Yeah. And, and I would I would say it's like, as somebody that's invested time into this and cares about, about outcomes, I think a fantastic outcome would be an ecosystem of those very interesting but higher level behaviors that are enabled by that essential capability of spreading resources around ultimately. Very, very cool. Well, listen, man, I, I, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, obviously, we're going we're gonna to point to some things in the show notes so people can go dig into them. And there's some demonstrations that I know you've written some blogs about recently. We'll get those in the show notes as well. Any, uh, if somebody's interested in this, obviously, you know, within the SIGs, there are, there are lots of ways to get involved. You know, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and, and ask some questions, is there a good way to, to reach out like Twitter or something else if they just want to kind of pick your brain on some of these topics? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that in terms of a community recurring discussion time, there's Federation Working Group, which is every Wednesday. And then biweekly, we have meetings of SIG Multicluster. I would just take a moment to say to folks that may be listening that we collectively, I think, would love to have folks attend and ask questions and share thoughts that they've had overall about the problem space of spreading resources around and, and those higher level behaviors we've been talking about. And any experiences you've had uh, using Federation V2 so far, we'd love to have you attend. If you would like to reach out to me, you can uh, you can always ping me on Kubernetes Slack or send me a, a message on Twitter. My DMs are open. You don't have to follow me. And my handle is Cheddarmint. Yep. C-H-E-D-D-A-R-M-I-N-T, Cheddarmint. Very cool. And we will get all that stuff in the show notes for folks that uh, maybe are listening to this while they're driving. Very cool. Paul, as always, thank you so much for the for the conversations. Uh, thank you for the knowledge. And folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you to Paul. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening who tells a friend and is uh, spreading the show around. Really enjoy it. With that, we will talk to you uh, next week. And thank you again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Pod Control Podcast. You can find everything about the show at podcontrol.com. P-O-D-C-T-L or at PodControl on Twitter. We'll talk to you again next week.